ACB in action. Welcome to ACB in action. This is the program where we get to learn the heart and soul of ACB. We are going to visit with uh, four ladies today, and I intentionally invited women to talk with me tonight because, and it wasn't even just women, actually. They had to have another special quality. This is the month of May, and it is Mother's Day uh, this month. And I thought it would really be neat for us to visit with some leaders who happen to also be moms. So I want to thank these four women who are here with me today. And I invited a fifth. If she shows up, then we'll also include her as well. But uh, thank you so much to Carla, Rachel, Rebecca, and Haley. And uh, we're going to get started. So there's a lot to learn about you ladies and uh, some I know but plenty of it I don't and certainly our listeners I hope will uh, learn a lot about you as well. So let's start with Carla. Carla Rushevel is a longtime member uh, of ACB. She is a past treasurer, has been president of the Kentucky Council of the Blind at the chapter level, state level. She has served as president of probably several affiliates, currently as president of ACB Families and ACB Lions. And Carla, why don't you share a little bit about your family? Okay, thank you, Cindy, and I'm pleased to be here. Um, I grew up in a family where my parents were blind and uh, my father was totally blind. My mother was visually impaired. Um, my family, uh, my husband, my first husband, he was visually impaired as well. And we had two children. Um, a lot of you know Patty Cox. Patty has a visual impairment. And uh, my son, who some of you, if you've been around ACB forever and ever, will remember him as well because he used to come and help with the conventions. Started out when he was like, well, a little kid helping at conventions. Um, and he is sighted. Um, they both have uh, children. Um, now um, they're getting older. The youngest one of that group is of my grandkids is 13, just turned 13. So I have um, Samantha, who... Uh, has a dual um, impairment. She has a, both a vision and a hearing impairment. Uh, she comes to convention some and really enjoys it, loves working in the mini mall. Um, Justin is Patty's younger of the two, and I homeschooled him for years. Um, and then Mike's children are David, 16, and Lindsay, 13. And um, then I also have a little great-granddaughter who will be six on Sunday, and we're just, well, we're all, you know, celebrating a six-year-old birthday here. Wow, that's exciting. Oh, my goodness. So we're going to get back to more of the family in a little bit. Let's move over to Rebecca Bridges. Now, Rebecca, of course, would be known to many as the wife of our executive director, Eric Bridges, but 
Rebecca is definitely a leader in her own right. She serves on the board of directors for a couple of affiliates, and she can mention those. Uh, She's also, though, I know, chair of the Leadership Institute Committee and co-chairs the scholarship committee for ACB and has two little boys at home. So, Rebecca, share with us a little bit about your family. Sure. Well, thank you, Cindy. Um, yes, we, uh, I have two children, Eric and I. Um, of course, as you know, Eric is totally blind and I am totally blind. Uh, we have two wonderful boys. We have Tyler, who is five. Uh, he could be friends with Carla's granddaughter, <laughs> similar ages. And um, we were blessed with our second little boy, Noah, um, on December 19th of 2019. So he's just a little guy, just uh, rolling over every chance he gets and just finding his voice and a lot of fun and a lot of laughter in this house right now. So we're we're having a good time with with our two little ones uh, right now. So, all right. Thank you, Rebecca. And Rachel Schroeder. Now, Rachel, I know is not a native of Illinois, are you? No. No. Um, And you were living prior to Illinois in Florida, if I recall. I'm a native of Florida. Okay. why I move, Mm -hmm. sometimes I don't know. (laughs) But she gets to Illinois and soon thereafter becomes president of the state affiliate. So, Rachel, why don't you tell us a little bit about your little family? Yeah, um, I'm a single mom of a daughter who could very well be friends also with Tyler. We keep saying we're going to get them together. She is three weeks younger than Tyler. So, (laughs) one of the, yeah, we've got like the next generation of ACB here, or the next generation after the next generation. But uh, I'm a single mom of Delaney and kind of making my own way here in Illinois. I moved here for a job um, after uh, I had been in Florida and I was married, got divorced, and um, just wanted the the family that I wasn't able to have when I was married and um, found an opportunity to be able to do that here. And so it's just me and Delaney here with the rest of my family in Florida. So we go, go back quite often. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty, I'm, I'm really happy that uh, I had had the opportunity to have her. It's made all the difference in the world. Wonderful. And finally, Haley Agers. And Haley is somebody I know well. She's a dear friend of mine, lives in Washington, where my heart lives. And she is on the board of directors for the Washington Council of the Blind. And I instantly thought of her as somebody I wanted to bring on here tonight because she, when I asked her if she would be willing to assist with our community events that we've been holding for several weeks now in response to COVID-19, she didn't hesitate to say yes to coming on and doing some presentations around essential oils, something I know she loves dearly. But she has her own special story about her little family. So, Haley, thank you for being with us. And wanting to share. You're welcome. Thanks for inviting me. So, oh, my gosh. <clears throat> Sorry for the croaky voice, but the pollen is in full force here in Washington. So allergies are kicking in. <laughs> 
Um, so I actually grew up in England. I'm not a native of Washington. My husband and I both grew up in England. Um, my husband's parents were Department of Defense teachers, and my family is actually British. So this is my fake accent. Um, <laughs> we are high school sweethearts, and we've been married now 25 years. We were um, together a couple years before getting married. And we both knew right from the beginning that we wanted to go through college um, and everything first before starting a family. So we both did that. My husband is an engineer at Boeing, and I um, have a degree as an occupational therapist. And um, we never dreamt that starting a family would be such a difficult thing. We, we had it all planned out, right? We got married. We went to college. And when we were ready, it would just happen. <laughs> but that's not the way it happened. And um, I had three miscarriages after, you know, starting to try. <clears throat> one every year and for three years and um, so then we decided we would adopt so I have a 14 year old son Brayden who's adopted and he's fabulous and my world became instantly better the moment that he came into it um, um, after a year after or a couple years after that I had my fourth miscarriage and we decided that why not just adopt again it was such a beautiful experience for us that we would just do that again and started the process decided that actually I would just have my tubes tied because we knew we wanted to adopt and I had had lots of um, medical issues anyway and so had my tubes tied um, back from my post-op appointment um, wasn't feeling too good and discovered that I actually was pregnant with my fifth child my fifth pregnancy um, but didn't know it. I was pregnant when I had my tubes tied and so didn't really anticipate this pregnancy following through to the end. It was the one that shouldn't have because of all the surgery and antibiotics and such. And um, on August 13th of 08, my daughter Sydney was born. <laughs> so I have two beautiful blessings in my life and being a mom is amazing and um not only my own kids bring joy to my heart, but kids in general. And so that's why I also am chair of WCB Families. That's true. And another that you did do, it just speaks to who you are, but you also started a, a committee in WCB uh, and drove it in the beginning. And that's our WCB Cares Committee. Um, and can you just share a little bit about what what took you to the president at that time to even want to do <laughs> WCB Cares? Um, in part, because I really want people in general to know, and it's part of the reason that I agreed to do the essential oil class um, as well, is that I want people to know that their being here on this earth makes a difference to somebody else. And so many things that people either need comfort for or need someone to celebrate with them over gets it slips through the cracks. And I felt like, um, you know, everyone has their struggles. Everyone wants to know that they um, have a purpose and everyone's kind of struggling with that right now. So WCB Cares was kind of started with that in mind that um, I wanted the opportunity to reach out as a WCB family member to let people know when it was needed that someone else was thinking of them. All right. Rebecca, I'm going to go to you with this uh, first question um, about uh, work and 
home life and you you have a job you have a family and you have commitments to ACB tell us a little bit about your job and then uh, my follow-up question with that is how do you balance all of it <laughs> carefully <Yeah. laughs> uh, like one uh, one step away from everything teetering no um so yes, I I do, and you know, like I'm sure many of you. So I, and and many moms out there. I mean, I I have a full time job. Um, I am a, a senior project manager for uh, an IT consulting firm. Um, you know, the good news is I do work from home, and I did before COVID uh, came about. So. You know, my company, we're all used to being remote employees, so that hasn't been an, an, too much of an adjustment. Um, but I literally went back to work um, from my maternity leave from NOAA um, the day everybody started working from home. Um, so I went back to work with a house full. Um, so, and, you know, right now that's just, it's unique. And, I, you know, a lot of us are finding ourselves in that situation where not only are we full-time employees we are parents or moms we are you know full-time employees we are uh you know essentially homeschooling although i wouldn't put myself in the same category as carla because i don't know how to homeschool (laughs) um but we're we're making it in terms of um i think in terms of balance it's just i mean keeping a calendar uh, it has been my lifesaver um, just having everything, you know, and now that we have things like the iPhone makes things a lot easier to keep, keep track. Our good uh, A-Lady friend is also helpful uh, <laughs> in in helping us, uh, helping me keep track and, um, you know, trying to to build a little bit of structure in the day, just at least so that I know what's coming and my children know what's coming and, um, you know, uh I think one of the things that that I've learned since becoming a mom and even more that I'm re- continually reminded of in this current situation that we all find ourselves in is that, um, you know, to, to be kind to, you know, to give myself and those around me some grace. So, you know, I feel like sometimes there are so many things to do that I can't do, like I can't give a hundred percent to everything sometimes. And so I think just knowing like, that's okay. What I can give is good enough. So just, you know, putting, I think breathing and taking a moment to, you know, to sit back and breathe is important and also finding some time for, you know, a little bit of self care. Um, so, you know, moms, our, our job is 24 seven. We don't, we don't get, you know, it doesn't stop, right? So even when work stops and ACB calls are over, you know, there's laundry to be done and things to, to organize and food to be made. So, you know, just finding small ways, uh, you know, to care for myself allows, you know, allows me to be better for, you know, for my family as well and, and ACB and my job. Right. And Rachel, I'm going to pose the same question to you. Um, And your circumstances are even a little different because you're a single mom. So talk about your job. And then how do you balance job, family, and, and your commitments to 
your affiliate and your, you know, your leadership roles? Barely. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I couldn't agree more with what Rebecca said. Um, and it has been interesting. Um, I am an assistive technology specialist uh, with Illinois Assistive Technology Program, and I travel around the state to provide training for uh, VR co- uh, customers in the state. Um, so my job has me on the road most of the time <laughs> until COVID. Um, I have worked before from home, but never worked before from home when I had a kid in the mix. So that puts a new spin on it. Um, I am still working my full-time job right now. Um, and we've been working from home for seven weeks, seven and a half, uh, <laughs> what, 40, 52 days, I think to be exact. Um, but who's counting? Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's a little bit challenging because I am also trying to homeschool, um, as much as you're, it's, it's not so much the academics, but trying to keep things somewhat structured and, and still keep a learning environment for Delaney while at the same time working. Um, you know, I said right before this, uh, show, I said, thank God for the iPad, because as much as I don't want to have her using the screen a whole lot, um, as long as I have educational materials on there, you know, it has been really helpful because I don't have anybody. And, and I'm not saying that people who um, have other family members can always do this, but I definitely don't have anybody else to go to. Um, Mm -hmm. it's just me and her and my guide dog. And so far my guide dog hasn't figured out a way to help her out with her schoolwork. So, (laughs) (laughs) so it's just me and Delaney. And so it's, it's a challenge when I'm trying to work with my customers and train them and she needs something. My customers have been very, very, uh, okay with it fortunately and some of them have even said hello to her and she says hello back she just absolutely loves that you know but um as much as structure is the name of the game flexibility is also the name of the game because you might have a situation where she needs something immediate and i have to kind of switch gears and go take care of that for a couple minutes and then come back to whatever i was working on um work projects get done a little bit slower these days because i Mm. my attention can't solely be focused on one thing or another um so yeah it's it's challenging but we're making it through as everybody is you know this isn't easy none of us signed up to be teachers although i think we have a newfound respect for teachers if we didn't before i i certainly did because i have taught but I think we all have a newfound respect for what teachers go through and in, in working with their kids because we're all finding ourselves thrown into homeschooling. Um, so it's, it's working, but uh, yeah, it, it is challenging. Um, as far as ACB work with ICB, I'm also on several different committees. I probably have several conference calls a week. I've been president of ICB for quite a while and um, I'm on ACB committee. So it's nothing unusual to be on conference calls quite a few nights a week and Delaney's aware of that and and she works with me on that so (laughs) she's she's really pretty easy to get along with for a five-year-old perfect thank you so much and Carla uh you know I was thinking about the things that you I know you do um but you also uh 
head up our ACB Mini Mall, uh, and you are a go-to person for many things. You you do other things in Kentucky with the sound prints, and um, it just seems like you're always so busy. So I'm curious, what drives your commitment to ACB? What drives you? What makes you want to keep doing so many things, keeping busy? What is it? Well, when I when I I grew up in in the blindness movement because my parents were involved from the beginning of of blindness organizations in Kentucky and when ACB happened, we moved to ACB, uh, if you will, and it always, for over all these years, um, it's it's been uh, my parents were really into the, the let's let's succeed. Uh, you know, ACB was young and and um, needed people to help it move along, and um, for. Uh, there, there was a, a little period there where a few years where we kind of dropped out of that and were involved in bowling and Deborah McDaniel showed up and said, Oh, uh, I'm here. I'm not here to help you reorganize, but let's go to dinner. And when we got done with dinner, we were reorganizing. So, you know, that's how he did things. Um, but through the, over the years, it has been, um, one project after another. And they don't tend to, one doesn't stop before the next one begins. Um, but it's, it's a challenge to see how many, um, ways that, uh, there can be to get people involved and understand the importance of having an organization like ACB. And you know, in the beginning, I think we, most of us, uh, several years ago thought that, um, serious stuff you know, advocacy and legislation and things were the things that were important and the fun things weren't so important. And I didn't always think that. Um, I felt like that whatever brought a person into the organization um, was important, uh, that just so long as they would come, that we needed to have things for them. So, therefore, over the years, um, you're right. I, I, I've, I, my, my thing is PR is important, whatever form that tapes takes if it's sound prints or newsletters or writing an article for the forum um, conventions are important um, th- there's just many many things uh, we do an activity every Friday night and we didn't let the virus stop us we're still doing our roundabouts that the local chapter does every Friday night we'll have bingo this Friday on the phone um, so there's just a lot of those things and sometimes because my background uh, was in education, and I was Kentucky certified K through eight for many many years um, until it just plain flat out expired because I didn't do anything to keep it going. But because of that, education's always been my thing, and I think that um, whether it be on a local, a state, or a national level, that the opportunity to help others figure out. Um, that that the council is really a great place to be, a great opportunity, and has is open and has room for people of all levels, all backgrounds, and uh, whatever the ability is, whatever the interest is. I, I just that that's just so important, and it's been such a big part of my life 
that not only has has that been important for me, but um, with with both of uh, of my children now adults, and also uh, now with grandkids, you know, it's the ability to help other people, and and that's really been the driving force that that there is something we can offer, and that others. Um, enjoy, and then they can in turn learn to give and help other people. And we will get back to your Friday night activities because I think that just lends so much into some of what I would like to share a little bit later about community events. I definitely want to have opportunity to share that. But you are doing that long before ACB is doing it now. And um, so we will definitely be talking about that. My next question is to each of you, and we'll start with you, Haley. Uh, I'd like to know what brought you to ACB. Now, Carla, I know you've already kind of shared that. You were kind of born into it, more or less. Right. But, and how long have you been a member of ACB? And remembering that as long as you've been a member of your local affiliate, you are a member of ACB. So, Haley, go ahead. Why don't you share? Okay. Um, gosh. So, <clears throat> my first experience with being a part of ACB was when I um, became a staff member at the Orientation and Training Center in Seattle. Um, I worked with the students who were living in the apartments, as well as taught a home ec and an independent living skills class. And <clears throat> truthfully, it was just um, staff members had the option, you know, to go with students to the organization um, conventions, either one. And um, so that's when I first found out about what WCB and ACB was. Um, <clears throat> I didn't have a guide dog at the time, and it wasn't until I got my first guide dog in 2004, 2004, gosh, no, not two, yes, 2004, um, that I joined the guide dog users of Washington State, um, and then, you know, actually became a member of WCB. So that's how okay. long I've been a part of it, and I love it. Best decision ever. All right. And let's go to Rachel. Yeah, um, I've been part of ACB. Um, well, I knew about ACB when I was in high school. I knew people who were members, and they talked about what ACB did. They were big time into uh, FCB, Florida. And I just kind of kept it in the back of my mind for a while while I went to college, and I really focused on my college stuff. And then out of college, um, I just uh, happened to run into um, somebody that I had known for a long time. And she said uh, that something about mentioning FCB. And I said, you know, I had to come to one of those meetings, check it out again. You know, I've been out for a while, so let's go check it out. So I checked it out and uh, I was hooked from then on um, and stayed. And I think for me, it's just been one of those things where I want to be able to, um, be a positive influence on people and I want to be able to um, help enact change where change needs to be enacted. I want to educate people um, who need to know about the issues and, you know, ACB is a great way to do all that. So I felt like mm -hmm. it was a great opportunity to, to stay involved and, and, and get others involved so that, you know, we can continue to 
um, improve the lives of blind and visually impaired people, you know, throughout the U.S. So I got just deeper and deeper involved as I went. So, sure. <laughs> all right, Rebecca, share with us your 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 story, your journey to ACB. Yes. Well, I um, my my journey began back in two thousand and I guess. 2002, I started uh, kind of corresponding with some people locally um, through my, uh, with my state affiliate. And um, then I found out about the, um, the ACB national office did, um, offered an internship, um, was going to offer that in the summer of 2003. So I applied and I uh, received the internship. Um, and I also, around the same time, uh, found out that I had won a scholarship uh, for ACB. So I got fully indoctrinated uh, that summer uh, when I came out to Washington, D.C. From, uh, from West Lafayette, Indiana and got to take the, the metro and I had about two hours of O&M and then I was on my own in, in the big city <laughs> and um, really fell in love with, you know, I got to see, you know, the inner workings of the organization and, and learned a lot about it that summer. Um, and I, um, I, I feel like I made so many friends that summer through, you know, through ACB um, Eric and I were actually introduced that summer through mutual friends who were also involved in ACB. Um, so it's like, it was just meant to be. So I've, I tell, um, when I interview uh, scholarship applicants, uh, and I introduce myself, I say, you know, I entered ACB as a scholarship winner and they haven't gotten rid of me since. So, uh, here I am many years later and still having a great time. And, and you don't share with them that you met your husband there and now have two children and scare them off like that? Uh, well, maybe, maybe with them, but probably not their mom. <laughs> uh, that's great. And, and Carla, uh, I know that, you know, you, you had a family that was involved, but you had a choice whether to stay or to not you've had a choice whether to continue so what do you think it was that you know caused you to really take hold because I mean there are other young people whose parents are involved in an organization and they you know what I mean don't don't do it don't go there so what was it that that did that for you well you got to remember that I um came in that I, I came into ACB um, Kentucky received its charter as um, as an affiliate of ACB when it had a convention here in 1965 and I was at that banquet when that charter was presented and uh, I wasn't a member uh, yet I couldn't belong because I hadn't passed that magical birthday of 18 but I, I was there, and my dad was the chair of that convention. And so, and what kept me in ACB, um, for several years after that, 
the friends that I grew up with in school, I went to the Kentucky School for the Blind, and some of my friends went to NFB and some of us went to ACB. And it really was, uh, I was torn because um, my best friends were not suddenly part of this organization. And so I had to really look at what the organization stood for and how people could could participate and what really under was is has has been over the years the underlying factor that has really kept me involved is the fact that whether we agree uh, if, if we agree or disagree we can do that but when the day is over or the month is over or the quarter is over or whatever, once we get over it, uh, that there's room for everybody and there's there's room for those opinions. And there have been times that I have disagreed pretty um, openly with people, but that's what makes ACB what it is. And when you get through all of the other things, you get past all the fun at conventions, you get past all of the of the individual issues and whatever. Bottom line, there's room for us all. And and I think that that is really the heart of the organization. Wonderful. I would love uh, each of you to share maybe a little bit about uh, your vision loss, um, uh, how long have you been blind, uh, the level of vision loss, um, and why don't we jump over to Rachel. Okay, yeah, um, I am an ROP baby, um, retinopathy of prematurity, so I was born, you know, I don't even know exactly how long, I think three months premature, so pretty pretty good. Um, and I would guess most of our listeners know kind of what that is. Basically, the oxygen damages the retinas, and that's kind of the short end of it. Um, totally blind light perception. I wouldn't necessarily trust it for uh, areas I'm not familiar with, but it's kind of helpful in areas that I am. Okay. And <clears throat> Rebecca? Well, mine is... Uh... The same as Rachel's, really. Um, I was born uh, 10 weeks premature uh, and was diagnosed with ROP. Um, my mother wasn't able to carry uh, her babies full term, so they lost one. Uh, then my brother was born and also uh, had ROP, but he drives a car. Um, <laughs> I wasn't quite so lucky. Um, but... But yeah, so by the time, you know, they, you know, fortunately they got around to me um, and really the only thing, you know, you know, my mother had had, uh, you know, three preemies at that point. And so they were like, well, once she makes it to, you know, four or five pounds, you can take her home because, you know, you're good for it. <laughs> so they were uh, pretty, I think, you know, I was fortunate in that, you know, my vision loss was really the primary you know, really the only concern at the time. I was only on oxygen for 24 hours. Um, so it's in some ways it's a little surprising, but, um, but yeah, so I've been totally blind um, my whole life. I, well, I guess I did have light perception, but I've, it, 
you know, uh, I lost that over the years because I developed glaucoma at the age of four. Um, and that really took a toll on my eyes. And so when I was 20, uh, 28, I ended up, uh, getting, um, prosthetics and that was a huge, huge, um, step to better health for me. So, so yeah, that's, that's me. And Haley. Okay. Um, I was also born six weeks early, but I don't have ROP. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have RP. I'm just missing the O, I guess. Um, so I have retinitis pigmentosa Mm -hmm. and, um, I was diagnosed with it around five. My parents, um, noticed that, you know, I wasn't, um, able to read the things in preschool. I couldn't stay coloring in the lines. I would bump into things, um, took me to London and had my vision checked and pretty much they were told your daughter has this condition called retinitis pigmentosa and there's no cure for it. And probably by the time she's a teenager, she will be completely blind. And then they were sent on their way. There was no referral to an eye specialist. Um, no sort of accommodation suggestions or any such thing. Um, my mom was married for the second time. Um, her second husband was an Air Force. Um, and so, you know, I did go to see eye doctors on a regular basis, but no one that really knew about RP. I kind of became the guinea pig when all the interns were there working with the doctors and I'd go get my exams. They'd have everyone come in and shine the bright lights into my eyes, which with a person with retinitis pigmentosa, whose eyes are sensitive to light, that was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or not. Right. <clears throat> and so, um, but I grew up in England, like I said, and I never knew, unlike Carla, I never knew uh, another blind person until I was 19. <laughs> um, so I have two younger brothers and I did all the things that they did for the most part. I rode bikes and, um, tried to participate in sports though I wasn't very good at them right um mostly that was my brother's thing and um never really got any skills my parents looked into it um asked if there was somewhere I could go to learn braille and they said that I wasn't blind enough that um I wasn't you know I couldn't go to the school for the blind because I still could see too much so I went through public school my whole life and moved here to Washington in um 1993 yeah 1993 and found out about department of services for the blind and that's where i met my first blind person um and i'm not proud of this today but it just shows the growth that we all have to go through in different stages that we go through um i only agreed to go to the training center because my mom and my then fiance now husband Um, thought it would be a good idea. And I was very much in denial about my vision loss. I was 19 and I was too cool for that. And it wasn't going to happen to me. And, um, but I agreed to go for their sake. And I said to my mom, please make sure you're, you know, I started on a Monday, please make sure you're here first thing Friday. Um, I didn't see myself as other blind people. I, um, like I said, I'm not proud of it, but I had stereotypical views of what a blind person was. And, I didn't see myself fitting into those stereotypes, um, but I went to the training center and only with my mom promising to be there on Friday. <laughs> and um, by Wednesday, I called her and said, 
you know, you really don't have to come this weekend. I really like the people here and I think I'm going to stay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank so, goodness. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of my journey. And that's why I think that's the beautiful thing about all of our stories is that um, we all come to that um, place of okayness, if that's not a word, but, you know, we all come to that place of um, just peace with, with where we're at at different times. And for me, that took a little bit of time. But now I'm surrounded by so many um, inspirational people with much more experience than me and also people who are not as far along in the journey as me. And it's a beautiful place to be where you can learn and give at the same time. Thank you. Haley. You know, Cindy, oh, yeah. if you don't, if you don't mind that, what, what Haley said reminded me of something and, and I didn't really talk much about, about my schooling and I apologize, but um you know, I ended up at a school for the blind and went part, part-time part school for the blind public school throughout, you know, before college. But Haley brought up something that I thought it just triggered something in my mind when, when I asked, and I think it's important as a parent that, or, you know, as a mom, um, I asked my mom one time as, as a young adult, you know, what, I think I was maybe in college and I said, mom, what, what did you do when you found out that I was blind? And uh, she said, well, we, I said, what happened? And she said, well, we were, we were sad, um, but then we accepted it. And I thought that was really, really profound um, as, you know, and I think as, as parents, we, and as moms and, you know, that's, it's really key to, to find that peace because that's really what moves you forward. I don't know. It just, it triggered that memory in my mind. And I, no, I, just thought yeah. it was right I actually there. have a similar, uh, similar experience to that, um, that I had talked to my mom and she basically said that, um, she accepted it. Um, one thing I didn't mention before is that I'm also adopted. So my parents knew what they were getting into when they, they decided to adopt me, which I think is even, um, you know, more, uh, more special. Um, you know, that, that in spite of my being blind, they still wanted to, um, work with me and they wanted me as their child. And, um, mm -hmm. they decided yeah. that after that, um, they were just going to embrace it completely. And they went and found all the resources and mm -hmm. figured out what they needed to do. My mom will tell you memories of going to school with me as a preschooler. And I oh, yeah. still hear from some of my preschool teachers about, you know, times that, that I was in their class and, and how mom really was proactive and interactive mm -hmm. with the whole process. And mm -hmm. um, yep. that really meant a lot. All right, Carla, do you want to share a little about your vision? Um, well, like Haley, I have um, RP. And um, however, unlike Haley, uh, I had two parents, and each of them had a brother and sister with RP. So it was a, a big RP family. and um, But I, uh, they, they did not expect there to be too many exceptions around. They, um, they, my grandmother didn't think that blind kids should go to school until they were 11 years old. I don't know why she picked that, but she did. And so when I was born, she said to my mother, well, uh, you're not going to, you'll send her to school when she's 11, won't you? And my mother said, good heavens, I'm going to send her when she's five. What do you mean? And, oh, 
so um, I went to the school for the blind. Now, I know what Haley, I know what you're talking about, Haley, when you say that, you know, you didn't want to, you, you, it was too cool to have a vision problem. Well, I, I was a braille reader from five years old on, but I had enough vision to get around on my own and I didn't carry a cane until I got to college when I was 17. And I didn't think I needed one, but I went to Western Kentucky University, which is in a part of the state that, um, where the, the college campus is really on a hill and lots of steps and everything. And, um, and so, um, I, I realized real quick when I fell down a set of steps after being there about three or four days that I better get the cane out and learn my way around. You know, we all have to have a time yep. as we're losing vision, whether it's as an individual or as a mom or whatever, that we realize there is a time that we have got to admit that we might not be perfect. And mm-hmm. then we need to deal with it and figure it out and, um, and you know, and make it work. And that also goes with our kids, you know. Our kids may not be perfect. Um, when Patty was born, she she being the oldest and had the vision problems, she, she didn't have RP, but she inherited aniridia and glaucoma from her dad. And, uh, you know, you want your kids to be perfect. But if they're not perfect, you accept what they are and you um, make the best of it and you then help them to be or try to help them to be the best they can be. And I think that's our role as parents. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. All right, you guys, we're going to, we got a little serious here, which is good. <laughs> I, this is such good stuff. But now I want you to think about a funny story, a mom story. Does Now, I did give you guys a heads up on this question because I, I didn't want to, like, have, you know, uh, you guys looking uh you know, <laughs> blankly at me here. Um, but who would like to share a funny mom story? I will. I can share. Ah. Oh, go ahead. No, Haley, go ahead. Okay, let's go with Haley and then Rebecca. Yeah. I actually had to think about which one to pick because there's lots of funny stories. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. So, oh, I don't know which one to pick. Well, when my son was um, about four and um, in preschool and learning how to read um, he we knew that you know we were under suspicion that maybe he had ADHD and um, the teacher would talk to us often about the fact that during circle time when the teacher was reading that Brayden just wouldn't sit still and we just put it all down to well this child is hyperactive and probably somewhere down the road this diagnosis is coming and um, didn't really think much about it. Well, I get a call one day and from the teacher and she said, we figured it out. And I said, what's that? And she said, we figured out why Braden won't sit still and why he keeps coming up to the front of the room. The teacher would read and she would turn the book around so the rest of the class could see the book. And Braden would run up to the front of the class and he'd put his hands all over the book. And the teacher would say, Brayden, you really must sit down. You know, I'm going to show the whole class the book. You don't have to run up here and keep touching the book. (laughs) Well, she figured out because he said to her one day, she said, Brayden, why do you keep touching the book, honey, when I'm going to show you the pictures? He said, well, when my mom and I read, that's how we read. Oh, that's awesome. That's a sweet story. (laughs) That is sweet. 
he, I, I still had some vision when he was born and we brought him home as a, as a, we brought him home after three days and I still had some vision. Um, but I knew Braille by that point. And from the time that he was tiny, tiny (laughs) days or weeks old, I would sit in his rocking chair with him and I would read books to him. So he grew up knowing that mommy reads books with her fingers. Yeah. 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 That's that's how everyone did it. That's wonderful. (laughs) All right, Rebecca, your turn. Mine isn't sweet like that. That's okay. I want a funny story. Come on. All right. So, you know, little kids, they they say the darndest things. They sure do. You know. (laughs) So we are in a taxi on the way home from preschool. I think my, I think Tyler was maybe two and a half and I hope it's okay to be slightly crude. Um, <laughs> That's the one so I chose we're, not to tell. You go for it. No, go do it. <laughs> so we're, we're driving along and ty- all of a sudden this, so the drivers start burping and after, and it's like repeated. So each time Tyler just goes, ew, ew, ew. <laughs> Every time, and I'm like, shh, shh, stop. Like, and he just, mommy, ew, ew. <laughs> of course, now he'd probably laugh, but. Yeah. I, I did. He'd probably try I and did, do it back, you know, now, oh, right? Well, <laughs> well, I did come, um, he was, the. Uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago, he was uh, outside in the, on our patio, and we, we let him have the echo outside with our good friend, Miss A. And, oh, uh, I know where this is going. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so I open up the, um, I can hear, so we have like a Juliet balcony above where the patio is. So I open up the screen door. It's a reasonably nice day. I open up the, the French door and there's some screens there and I'm listening and all of a sudden, I hear you know what her this is. farting. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, Mommy, she can fart. Do you want to hear her fart? <laughs> I have two boys, so this is, yeah. yeah. You don't have to have a boy for that to happen, yes. let me tell you. And, yeah, and he can imitate thinking. her. He'll, he'll say, you know, that was a wet one. <laughs> And, and we're going there. Okay. Yes, we went there. Great. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I couldn't beat that. That's why I had to go with a sweet story. That's great. So, Cindy, so I'm yes. Cindy, can 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 I tell a Tyler story? Oh boy! Sure, why not? I mean, you don't have to tell a story on your own kids. Sure, tell a story tell, on somebody. I gotta tell a Tyler story because it was too cute. Sure. So, I I did not go to mid year this year for the first time in many many years, and I'm listening to it on ACB radio. And so on, I think it was Sunday afternoon. Um, they're on break. And everybody's on break, and they're getting ready to go back. And I hear Rebecca talking to somebody. And all of a sudden, I hear Tyler say, may I have your attention, please? (laughs) (laughs) It was so perfect. I mean, it was like he was the little leader of the whole thing. 
I asked Jason for that little cut, and I've got that oh. cut face because it was oh. just too cute, Rebecca. Cute. Cute. Oh, thank you very much. You should have heard the joke Cindy told him before that happened. <laughs> Let's keep going. He enjoyed having that microphone so much, and uh, yes, and I am a good nana, and Rebecca <laughs> threatened to never let me babysit her kids after <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it's not true. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I want to switch gears because I want to make sure we get some of these in. So um, Rachel or Carla, do you have a special handmade gift uh, mm. your kids maybe have given you? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, the only thing I'll say about this other story is that with Delaney being the daughter of a broadcaster, she loves microphones, by the way. Mm-hmm. And her, some of her antics have been broadcast on HCB radio and other stations. <laughs> <laughs> Just last week, she took the control of my show and said, hi, this is Delaney. And, you know, started talking and doing her whole thing. But anyway, <laughs> I'll have to find that. It's, it's saved forever. Um, but, yeah, um, I still have on my table uh, a a potpourri jar that Delaney made in school for Mother's Day a couple years ago, and it's all painted and it's got her name on it, and she wrote it. and And to this day, it's got to have a special place on the table. Mm-hmm. Nice, awesome, Carla. You know, I really don't because um, Patty and when Patty and Mike moved out and you know have moved several times um they kind of took all of those kinds of things that they wanted i do have a couple of christmas ornaments that they made but i don't know what year they were from so my Mm -hmm. things are more um patty they were both into cooking and so on so my things are more the memories of them participating in 4-H contests and our having to go up to the University of Kentucky in the middle of the summer and make a sausage cake with eggs that had been in the back of the car all day. You know, that kind of thing. (laughs) And that's not something you would want to have on your table, let alone. (laughs) Cindy, can I share? Can I share? I'll keep it short, but can I share what I have here? Sure. So the school that my kids went to, they sort of every year, the kids made the same thing in the different grades. So when both of my children were in first grade, um, three years apart, they make Mother's Day hats from a bowl, a paper bowl and a paper plate. And they paint them and they slip them inside one another to make like a bonnet looking shape. And they decorate them with flowers and they put a ribbon on it. And when we show up for the Mother's Day brunch, all the moms get um, given their hats and they all get to wear their hats um, which is really cool and they're beautiful and super creative and the tradition at the school that they were going to is that if your child goes all the way from kindergarten through eighth grade at the school that at the eighth grade graduation the moms wear their hats oh okay Aww. yeah and so yeah. and so do you still have the hats so I have both of the hats, but Brayden does not go to that school, and he is in eighth grade this year and missing graduation. So on graduation day, I'm still going to wear my hat and get a picture. There you go. That's Aww. good. Yes, as yeah. you should. Yeah. I cannot believe we're winding down. Um, 
I there's a couple other things I want to make sure I get in, but uh, do any of you have a special quote or piece of advice your mom gave you that you'd like to share quickly? I think, I think my mom just said, keep faith and family the center of your life and you won't go wrong. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? No? Well, I want to talk just uh, a little bit about these community events and I know you're all familiar with that we've been doing these um, they've, they've taken off like wildfire <laughs> it's been amazing it's been busy hectic crazy fabulous you know uh, I used to think about and, and a common question to me as membership services coordinator with ACB has been you know what what can somebody, what does somebody get for being a member of ACB? What is their benefit of being a member of ACB? And I always thought, and, and actually would say, that you belong to a community. But, you know, up until uh, six weeks ago, I feel like in some ways it was lip service. I can honestly say now we offer a, a community. And people are coming and, you know, you can do it locally. You can do it locally in your affiliates. You can do it locally in your chapters. When you can bring people together, and certainly uh, the Louisville chapter does this on Friday nights, and they serve people food, and they play games, and they, you know, all that stuff. So you can, you can build that sense of community in person. But ACB now is building community. And we're doing it virtually, using Zoom, using uh, people's phone, whether it's their smartphone or their uh, landline, computers, whatever it is. And people are coming together from all over the country and taking part in community activities such as, uh, you know, the, the essential oils or coffee or whatever it might be. And uh, you ladies, this this show tonight is reminded me that I can bring the leaders together and together we can be in, at a virtual table and just chit-chat and have that <coughs> community. And I want to thank each of you for taking part in this. And um, so anyway, thank you for being the leaders, the special women that you are, the moms that you are. And uh, I toast each of you for being who you are. And uh, in closing, I would just like to say that uh, if you have ideas for future shows, uh, not only for community events, but also for programming uh, here with ACB in Action, if you have leaders that you would like to have me interview at the chapter level in your state, uh, in your in your special interest affiliate, uh, please send me an email at community at acb.org. That's community at acb.org. And we just want to build up the ACB community and uh, be the best ACB we can be. So thanks so much for being here and uh, for being a part of 
ACB in Action. And I'm Cindy and grateful to each of you for listening in and to these four ladies, Haley, Rebecca, Rachel, Carla, thank you for being a part of uh, ACB and for being on ACB in Action.